worthy from worship to warfare. There's so much meat in the teachings that's been going forth uh, through Apostle. And so tonight, I'm going to stay in that vein of from worship to warfare. Amen. So if you will just stand with me as we read the word coming from 2 Kings chapter 6. Verses 8 through 17. I'm going to try my best to read through it fairly quickly. So I don't want to hold us too long. Amen. So let me know when you have it. Second Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 17. And it reads, Now the king of Syria was making war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants, saying, My camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. Then the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him, Thus he warned him, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore, the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing. And he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words, the very words that you speak in your bed, in your bedroom, in your bedchamber. So he said, go and see where he is, that I may send and get him. And it was told him, saying, surely he is in Gotham. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? And he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray. Open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. May God bless his word. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you for covering us and keeping us and bringing us to this very moment in time, God. As we come before you, God, to hear, God, your word, God, and to sit at your feet, God. I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will come into this room and lead and guide us, God, as we, Lord God, hear the word from you. And I thank you, God, for having your way tonight, God. I thank you for every hearer and every doer of your word, God. I thank you that this word shall bless their lives, Lord God, in every area that is needed, God. And I bless you, honor you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So tonight, I wanted to highlight 
two different things that occurred in this passage of scripture. The first thing is that when the king of Syria was plotting, making his plan of what he was going to do to attack Israel, that Elisha the prophet had given insight to the king of Israel that kind of foiled the, the king's plan, the king of Syria's plan. And he couldn't figure out how Israel knew what they were about to do. And so that's one point I want to highlight. The other point I want to highlight in this particular passage is the servant of the man of God who was at a point where he couldn't see what was going on in the spirit realm. He couldn't see. But when Elisha prayed, Lord, open his eyes that he can see. Then God opened his eyes and he was able to see and to know what was going on in the spirit realm. So tonight I'm going to title this message W-Y-K-Y-K Warfare. So on social media, a lot of times you see a hashtag that says, if you know, you know. Well, let's, let's transition from if to when. <laughs> so this is when you know, you know. Okay? This is the type of warfare that we're coming into into this house. It's when you know. It's that moment when your eyes are open to what's going on in the spirit realm. Then you know who is fighting with you and for you. Amen? So let's go, let's go on to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. So the thing about the spirit realm and the warfare that happens in the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness. Ever since Lucifer said within himself, I want to ascend. From that moment, there was the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence because of Lucifer wanting to ascend, wanting to oppose, wanting to take over, wanting to take the seat of, of, the, of authority, God's throne. So in that, we are in the balance between what Satan wants to do and what God has already done. Amen? So the thing is, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, it says that to keep Satan from taking advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his schemes. So, unlike popular opinion, I know we've all heard the saying, ignorance is bliss. It's not. <laughs> ignorance can be deadly. It can be life-threatening. Amen? So the enemy knows that if you are ignorant of his schemes, or you're ignorant of his devices, then he has advantage over you. He has a winning advantage. But we are in a house where we're being taught the word of God so that we're not ignorant of his devices. Amen? So what are those schemes? What are those devices? So I'm going to break down the practical wisdom from Webster Dictionary. Okay? So schemes. It's a large-scale, systematic plan or, or arrangement for attaining a particular object or putting a particular idea into effect. It's a secret or underhanded plan. It's a plot. So the enemy has already set up this large-scale, systematic plan, this secret, underhanded plot to launch against you. 
And as long as we're ignorant of those schemes, he has the advantage. Amen? But, so let's say ignorance or the lack of knowledge will keep you from being effective. It will keep you from being effective. And Hosea 4 and 6 says that my people perish or, or they're destroyed for the lack of knowledge. So us not knowing is not necessarily a good thing. Now, does God cover us in those times when we don't know? Yes. There are many times in my life where I can look back and I can see the hand of God covering me in situations and I didn't even know he was protecting me. Amen? Amen. I thank God for his grace, even in those moments. But now that we're in the place of growing and maturing in Christ, maturing in who we are in God, we are at a point where we're almost at a point where you can say we're without excuse now. Because we're in a house where we have access to the teachings of God's word, to know, to be exposed to the principles that are in his word. So we have the opportunity to grow in leaps and bounds. But the thing is, do we want it? Do we want it? Will we take advantage of what we have? Amen? So ignorance or the lack of knowledge will keep you from being effective. So overall, in general, spiritual warfare is strategy. It's strategy. It's not just something just happenstance that just randomly happens. Because a lot of times when things happen to us, it can blindside you, it can you off guard. It's like, oh my God, I don't know why this is happening. You know, you get frustrated, you know, whatever the response may be. But it's a strategy. It's strategic. It's not something random. It's a systematic plan that has been launched. Amen? So spiritual warfare is a carefully developed plan to enforce the government of a nation and its ruler. It's a campaign. So it is something that the kingdom of darkness has been launching time and time again. But we know the end. <laughs> They're fighting a losing battle. Amen? Thanks. Amen. So strategy defined, it is a plan of action or policy designed to achieve a major or overall aim. The art of planning and directing overall military operations and movements in a war or battle. It's a master plan, a plan of action. It's a scheme. It's a tactic. So it's organized. It's organized. It's precise. It's ran with precision. Amen? So I want to give a quick analogy of, of something because I wanted to kind of show how something that you don't know of can be harmful. Hmm. So everybody knows about parasites. Yeah. <laughs> everybody knows about parasites. I'm a, I think the most common one is the tapeworm that people have, have heard about. So, uh, um, so there's like three categories of parasites that would you know infect human beings. So, so parasites, they are these living organisms that require a host. They have to have a host to survive. 
Um, without a host of parasite, you cannot live, you can't flourish, you can't grow, you can't multiply. So if many are invisible to the naked eye, you can't even see it, can't even feel it. Um, but most parasites infections, um, they're undetectable. So when a parasite infection, it starts to feed off of you, it starts to grow, it starts to multiply, it starts to flourish. The only way it can continue to flourish is if it goes undetected. Because as soon as it's detected, then you do what you need to do to yep. get rid of it. So the same kind of applies with that analogy in the spirit realm. As long as it's undetectable, as long as you don't know it's in operation, it will continue to grow, it will continue to multiply, it will continue to flourish. But once you know what is working against you, once you identify what it is, then you can address it and you can conquer it through the blood of Jesus. Amen? But as long as something is undetectable in the spirit realm, it's going to flourish. It's going to keep working. That device, that scheme is going to keep working. Keep working. Keep working. So that's why it's so important that we be not ignorant of his devices, his schemes. Amen? So let's go to Ephesians 6, chapter 12. And it reads, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So I want to emphasize, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Can I tell you that the majority of the time when we are faced with a situation with another person, we're constantly focusing on the person. Yeah! And that's a joy of the enemy. I just prayed that. That's a decoy. I just prayed that. That's a distraction. Yes! It causes you to be off. It's off of It's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Yep. It's a decoy. It's a mirage. Even if you start to pray, we'll be praying amiss. You won't... Pray the right prayer targets, you will miss what's really in operation when you start to wrestle with flesh and blood. So that's why the word says we wrestle not, because it's not flesh and blood that you're wrestling with, it's the spirit behind it. It's the spirit behind it. So we have to know our enemy would bring warfare. This is that when you know, you know warfare. Amen. So that's why it says in John 10 and 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. And But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You might have it more abundantly. You have to go after it. You have to go after it. It's more than just getting saved and coming to church. You have to diligently seek after God. You have to diligently press into his presence. That's why when you, whenever you're engaging in worship, it's more than just the lifting of your hands or bowing before God. It's more than just having the, the, the feel-good, you know, goosebumps and all of that. It's deeper than that. It's so much deeper than just a feeling. 
when you worship God, when you enter into worship. All right, let's move on to Psalms 144, verses 1 through 2. I know I'm giving a lot of scriptures. <laughs> but it's well. Psalms 144, verses 1 and 2. And this is that when you know, you know warfare. So when the scripture reads, Blessed be the Lord, my rock and my great strength, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle, my steadfast loving kindness and my fortress, my high tower and my rescuer, my shield and he in whom I take refuge, who subdues my people under me. So God is our Lord who trains our hands to war and our fingers to battle. So we have to be students. We have to be students. We have to be willing to be taught how to do spiritual warfare. How to do spiritual warfare. How to go in and out in warfare so that we can be skillful in it. Because if you don't go into warfare correctly, there is retaliation. <laughs> it's not just you engaging with, with something demonic or something like that and it's just going to lay down and just go about its business. You have to know what you're doing. You have to work. You have to operate in wisdom. Amen? And the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we have to have, we have to go through that training. We have to know how to war. We have to know how to do battle. Amen? So we must not only learn what are our weapons of warfare, but how to use them. Amen. Amen? We have to know how to use them. The, the greatest thing that we have to know how to use is the scripture, the word of God. Because when Jesus was in the wilderness and Satan kept coming to tempt him, his reply was, it is written. It is written. It is written. Because the enemy knows this word. He knows. He knows. He might twist it. He might turn it. He might alter it. But he knows the word. So we have to know the word of God and how to apply the word of God in our lives. Wisdom is a weapon of warfare. Practical wisdom. Wisdom is a weapon of warfare. Discernment. Discernment. Faith. Faith is a weapon of warfare. Prayer, fasting. And there's so much under that umbrella of prayer and fasting. When it comes to spiritual warfare, praise and worship, the unction of the Holy Spirit, the unction of the Holy Spirit, being led and guided by the Holy Spirit is a weapon of warfare. Joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's a weapon of warfare. Amen. Peace is a weapon of warfare. Love is a weapon of warfare. Giving. Facts. <laughs> Giving. Sowing and reaping. Giving is warfare. You can use giving as warfare. 
We all know David is is like the the so to speak icon, our go to example for worship. He is a worshiper. So David's worship were skillful warfare because he wasn't just a worshiper; he was a man of war. His worship birthed his warfare. His worship undergirded his kingship. His worship caused him to be skillful in his warfare. So one of the one of the things I want to quote from Apostle Keats, one of his messages when he was talking about worship, from worship to warfare, he said, worship lines you up with God and with your enemy. So worship puts you in that right position with God where he opens his heart to you and gives you strategy to deal with your enemies. Amen? So worship versus warfare. So David's worship are skillful warfare. So when you engage in worship and you begin to mature in your worship, your reasons and your purpose for accessing the throne room of God begins to change. You begin to move and mature from elementary and basic things. Your worship becomes more seasoned. The depth of your worship increases. Your reasons for entering the presence of God change. It changes. You you go beyond, like I said before, just that feeling of just wanting to feel good. Or to escape what you're dealing with outside these four walls. It goes beyond that. Worship reveals the heart of God towards us. So you'll start to seek after the heart of God. And in that, you'll begin to see who you are and the purpose and the plan that God has for your life. Worship restores a divine collaboration between God and man. So in Genesis, Adam and God had this collaboration. Even to the point where God would present all the living creatures to Adam. And whatever Adam called that creature, that's what it was going to be called. There was a collaboration between God and Adam. Between God and Adam. Your worship begins to reconnect that collaboration between God and you. So when you go forth and you begin to speak and do things, God is collaborating with you. You're aligning yourself with God as you go about your day, as you go forth in what God has called you to do. So one of the main tactics, this is this is the part I really wanted to get to, because this is something that I've been hearing a lot being said in the house about unity, about oneness about being on one accord, Ooh, about, to get to about us being one to another, Ooh, about to get you know, to for her. us to just come together as one, we're, we're many members, one body. So this part, um, it's, it's very meaningful to me because I've come from a place where it was the opposite. So one of the main tactics or schemes of the enemy is division. And the vision broken down is God vision, two visions, more than one vision. So in that God vision, separations begins to take place. 
there's a breaking up, there's a splitting that starts to occur from the original vision that's in place, from the singular vision that's in place. There's a disconnection that happens. There's disunity and discord that occurs. So when there is one singular vision, there is one language and it's one sound coming out of the house. One language, one sound coming out of the house. But when division starts to come in, it causes diversions, it causes detours, it causes unnecessary warfare. Unnecessary warfare. Let me say that again. Unnecessary warfare. <laughs> when we don't guard our posts, when we don't actively work to stay united, when we allow the enemy to come in to create division, it creates unnecessary warfare. So I want to say this statement, so I don't know if it'll be a shocking thing to some people or not. Satan's um, kingdom is not the right. I know it kind of sounds like an oxymoron a little bit because he creates so much division in, in our lives and does so many underhanded things, but Satan's kingdom is not divided. But he is a master, he is skilled at employing and devising plans to create division. He knows the importance of unity. He knows the importance of unity. So the last thing he wants is for the body of Christ to be one. The last thing he wants to see is a body of believers coming together as one and moving as one. Amen. So Matthew 12, let's go to Matthew 12, verses 22 through 28. So I'm going to echo what I just said. Satan's kingdom is not divided. That's right. It's not divided. The only place where you'll find division is in the church. Come on. You won't find it in heaven or in hell, but you'll find it in the church. Ooh, that's true. Matthew chapter 12, 22 through 28, and it reads, Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him, so that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons, except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons, are, there are also known as the Lord of the Flies. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. Amen. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
So this is confirmation by scripture, through scripture, that Satan's kingdom isn't divided. It's united. It's organized. It's real, well run. There's, there's no, there's no distinction in the ranks. There's no bickering in the ranks. There's no back and forth about assignments. There's no, there's no jealousy. There's no envy. There's no strife. There's no backbiting. There's no gossiping. It is a well-oiled machine. It is a scheme. It is a large-scale systematic plan that's launched against the church. Wow. Jesus. And it is relentless. And on point. So while we are caught up in dissension, while we are caught up in distracted, while we are caught up in silly things, the enemy's ploy, his scheme is working. Yep. It's working. Sheesh. It's working. As long as we allow it to work, or as long as we're ignorant of it working, it's working. So let's go to Proverbs 17, 14. Proverbs 17, 14. Proverbs is known as the book of wisdom. The book of wisdom. So it says in Proverbs 17, verse 14, the beginning of strife is like letting out water. As from a small break in a dam, it first trickles and then it gushes. Therefore, abandon the quarrel before it breaks out and tempers explode. So it's like a small drop, but you turn on your faucet just a little, just enough, and it's just a drip, 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 drip. But imagine a huge dam. And all that water, all that pressure on the other side in a small crevice of a crack. And then it grows. It grows to the point that it just explodes. And all of that pressure is released. That's how strife is in the body of Christ. That's how strife is in the body of the local local church among believers. When we allow the taxes of the enemy to seep in, just a little drop just a little crack. That's all he needs to start to infiltrate his plot, his plan. So strife is a bitter disagreement over something that is fundamental, basic, foundational, yet vital. It's a fallout. It's friction. It's conflict. It's friction, it's conflict. So we have two choices. Like the Bible says, you know, I call heaven and earth the issues. This day, I said before you, death and life. Blessings and curses. Blessings, curses. So you have a choice. You have a choice to align with the kingdom of God the attributes of God, who we are in God, and the plan of God. Or we have the choice of aligning with the kingdom of darkness, 
and the plan and ploy that he has launched against the kingdom of God and the body of Christ. So it's our choice. And how do we come to the knowledge of the truth? It's our choice. It's not just something that's just happening by happenstance. Amen? And my last scripture for tonight will be Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. This is that when you know, you know warfare. I know people say, I know down deep in my number. I know him, I know it. <laughs> Without shadow of a doubt, I know this. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6 says, So I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is, to live a life that exhibits godly character, moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. A life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. With all humility, forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control with wow. patience, wow. bearing with one another, wow. and unselfish love. Wow. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. So I need you, you need me, we need each other. Yep. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, we're a family here, so we need each other as individuals coming together to make the whole work, to make it successful. For there is one body of believers and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, who is sovereign over all and working through all and living in all. So this is that warfare that when you know, you know. You know, you know, so that you're not ignorant of his devices. Amen? So that the enemy does not have an advantage in your personal life, in your family, on your job, in your business, in ministry, whatever it is, that the enemy does not have an advantage because we are no longer ignorant of his devices. Amen? So I pray something tonight that was spoken, blessed you ministered to you, edified you, gave you some insight, some wisdom, some understanding. Amen. Amen. So tonight, I wanted to extend if anyone had any prayer requests or anything like that, we are available to pray with you if you have any prayer requests. If you're in the house and you need salvation, we extend that to you also. And if you need a house to connect to, to be a part of, to be a part of a local body of believers who is a family, a spiritual family, they will take you in and you can grow and flourish in God. 
we want to extend that to you also tonight. Amen. Amen. We're all family tonight. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So the last thing we want to do tonight is worship God in our giving, our sowing, our weeping, just showing God some gratitude and thankfulness just for who he is in our lives. So if you need an envelope, just raise your hand. One of our hosts will definitely get you an envelope. Three, two, one. So you can give in the house, you can give it through an envelope, or you can also give through Cash App. It is so let's see, you can text any amount to eight four three two one. Eight four three two one. You can text any amount to that number. Also, we're on Cash App, and the tag is dollar sign elevate br. And then, if you're old fashioned and you still do by mail, you can mail your gift to one zero. Oops. <laughs> hey. That's, that's an avenue of giving. <laughs> Some people still use mail, you know, the U.S. Postal Service. So let's see. The address is 10957 Greenville Springs Road, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70814. Amen. And also, you can give through the uh, Elevate Church app. You can download it uh, through Google Play or the Apple Store. Amen. Amen. I'm learning now. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. Amen. So as everyone prepares their offering, I'm preparing mine as well. As you have completed your um, your envelope, please stand. I'll let you know that everyone's ready. We can do our declaration on our offering. Everyone's ready. All right. Repeat after me. God is the source of my increase. God is the source of my increase. All that I have and shall receive comes from Him. All that I have and shall receive comes from Him. My giving is a reflection of my trust in God. My giving is a reflection of my trust in God. So today I give with a grateful and cheerful heart. So today I give with a grateful and cheerful heart. In the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. From, from the back all the way to the front to give and sow your seed and tithe. Some better music. Jesus.
And even for those who had the heart to give but did not have it, Lord, we thank you that you will bless every seed, God. Good man, you're pressed down, shaken together, and running over, God. Shall men get into their bosoms, Lord God? Thank you, Lord God, for rebuking the devourer on our behalf, Lord God, as we have planted in good ground, God. And I thank you that the seed shall go deep into the soil, God, shall germinate, God, shall multiply and produce an abundant harvest in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I just thank y'all for coming tonight and fellowshiping with us as we did Bible study in the Word of God. So I just want to tell y'all have a wonderful night, a blessed night, rest well. We are adjourned. Amen. Amen. Hit that, hit that after roll, Flip. Hit that after roll. Yeah. All right. Y'all can shut them off.